Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Lewis Art for Boxing Social in association with Empire Fights and Forged Irish Stout. Delighted today to be joined with Andy Clark. We're back out after Christmas. Um, it's been a sort of a, a, a very quiet Christmas and New Year. I'm sure it's been the same for you. Other than that, uh, how's things, mate? How are we? Yeah, good, good. You know, it was it was it was great to get home after after Saudi. Got back on Christmas Eve. I was on the flight with pretty much everybody else. I got in about two o'clock in the afternoon got home so that was I really enjoyed it it was a really good week um, yeah a really good way actually just to kind of slipstream into Christmas it's Christmas as soon as you get back and then boxing never really gets going again until about mid-January generally does it so that's the case for me this time around we've got the Turbiev against Callum Smith on Sky um, next weekend really looking forward to that and then and then we're off and away Absolutely. Just before we get into all the topics that start January uh, 2024, um, we'll talk about why we're here today. Uh, Johnny Clark's got another show on February the 10th. You've just finished interviews with loads of all fighters. Looking for another exciting show on February the 10th at the Brentwood Centre? Yeah, I, I'm always I'm always really interested in this in this this level where, where you're putting on English title fights, area title fights. I've commentated on loads of them myself. I remember working on the Matchroom Fight Pass probably about 10 years ago now. That was you know Steve Wood shows. Um, Steve Goodwin shows. Um, I did a couple for Boxing Social towards the end of 2022. Had some really good fights, a couple at York Hall. And they're just good, good cards. You know, they're, they're, they're competitive cards. There's a lot of good matchups on them. This is exactly the same. And it's a good platform and a good springboard for, for fighters to get some exposure and really show people what they can do. You know, there's an English title fight at Super Bantamweight, Tahita Sane and Andre Grant at the top of it. There's a good fight at, at Super Middleweight. Um, Grant Dennis and Paul Osborne, you know, that, that, that's another good competitive matchup. Um, I very much enjoyed talking to Kevin Ravel and Finley Judd. You know, again, they're two guys who just want to throw down, just want to see, just want to see where they're at, particularly the one who's undefeated, uh, which is Finley Judd of the two. So there's, there's quite a lot of fighters with, with O's who are in fights where they're 50-50 fights so they, they could well they could well lose but it's, it's that's what you want to see you, you, you want to see that during Covid we had more of that because there were fewer slots on TV cards for example so you couldn't really afford to put on as many fights where you know what's going to happen and that did persist for a while after that but then I felt like things kind of turned the back, back a bit more towards how they had been previously and I understand obviously that you know, you've got prospects on the rise and you're investing in them and they have to have their learning fights and they want them to be on TV because they need to build their profile. But what we, you want to see as many really competitive fights as you possibly can. An area 
level fights and English title fights in particular, they, they just deliver so often, you know, very, very rarely poor fights. Absolutely, definitely. And is it, do you feel like, as we, you were just mentioning there, about especially during lockdown, but now you see Johnny's fights and um, you see many sort of small hall shows across the country, um, the, the level, the standard of 50-50 of fights that want to get made, it's getting more and more, you know, we're seeing more and more guys who want to, instead of, you know, we look at a card and it's 10 guys versus 10 journeymen, we're now seeing 50-50 fights, whether they be for titles or not, even, you know, 50-50 fights in six rounders. Do you feel like we're starting to see that, that trend come more and more now? I think we are. I, th I think we are seeing more of it. It, it. Just it all really. It's a complicated thing. Boxing, the business side of it, is really complicated. And putting on small hall shows. Most of the promoters who do it, they do do it for the love of it. Often they've got businesses elsewhere that make them their money, or they've done really well and made money, and and have kind of almost retired. And, and this is something they've chosen to do as a as a kind of passion project. But generally speaking, they're successful guys who know what they're doing and they can't bear to do something. They would never do something badly. So they're always trying to take care of the bottom line and make sure that everything is, is viable. But it's very difficult to really make any money. But you do need to sell tickets. And what you want are fighters who sell tickets, who are prepared to take real fights. The danger there, though, of course, is that if they lose that undefeated record, then they might not be able to sell as many tickets. It just, it just depends on the whole attitude just shifting a little bit where people understand that having an unbeaten record is just not that big a deal. And people point to MMA and, and, and UFC in particular in that regard. And I don't think it's that useful to compare the two all of the time, but I think that is one area where you can. Because I used to cover a lot of World Series boxing in the amateurs, which was five three-minute rounds and a really, really good standard. And in the amateurs, of course, you, you box for long enough, you'll lose quite a few fights. And in WSB, an even record because of the calibre of opponents you would be up against, that was a good record. I remember Peter McGrail before he turned pro one season, went straight to the seniors, one win and three defeats. But one of them was against Shakur Stevenson. You know, and this is what, you know, that, that, that's, what, that's what it's about. Yeah, that's what it's about. I understand that it's, it's, it's easy for me to say it, but at the same time, if you've got fighters who are happy to, to risk it, because the potential reward, at the very least, is being on a platform where people will see you and realise what you've got, then, you know, I do think it's a way forward. Absolutely, definitely. I think a lot would agree with you there. Um, just as we move on now, we just did touch on Saudi, uh, the day of reckoning. Um, Obviously, we'll talk about sort of future of, of Saudi, especially in 2023. But as we look back on that 23rd of December card, I know we've had a bit of, I know we've talked a little bit about it off camera, but um, sort of as, as the dust has settled now and we look back at the AJ performances, the Wilder performances, guys like Cabiel and this and that, um, happy with sort of all-round success on de uh, December 23rd? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's always good to have a couple of what people classify as, as upsets because that just keeps everybody interested for the reasons we were just discussing. And... Wilder does seem to be a different guy now. I noticed that during fight week, we all did. Previously, he'd bring a bit of a darkness to fight week. He'd talk about getting bodies on his record, things like that, and he was all peace and love. He was, he was very kind of zen. Um, and on the night, he was well beaten by Joseph Parker. He said afterwards, and I found this really interesting, that not immediately afterwards, but in the kind of days afterwards, he did say that he was seeing the openings but couldn't find the punch and, that, and that's what happens to fighters as they get older and if he has lost that ability to pull the trigger that split second then he's 
got a problem. And he did also say that, you know, maybe he's too happy now, he's too at peace, he needs to refine that that dog in him was was the word he used. And again that's that's a bit of an alarm bell for a fighter who's achieved a lot and is, you know, a lot nearer forty than he is thirty because I don't know if that really comes back or not but then having said that that's what people were saying about Joshua they were saying that he'd lost that that ability to roll the dice that he was too comfortable he'd achieved so much he made so much money and then against Otto Wallen he, he put in the performance that we've been wanting from him for, for a while so at the start of the week and at the end of the week those two had seemingly switched positions so I can't re- you can't really say that, that Wilder can't turn it back again yeah, but that, yeah. that, that's why that's what I love about the sport because you don't really you don't really know and we read a lot into things sometimes and sometimes we're right to and sometimes we're wrong to so I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen with those two now but that was a massive win for Kabayel as you mentioned against Makhmadov um, Jaya Pattaya finished things in a round against Dennis Zorro which was you don't want to see it happen to somebody but to be honest with you I, I would prefer to see that than see Ellis on the receiving end for six or seven rounds it's actually better for you to get knocked out clean quick than 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 have yeah exactly exactly so but all round I enjoyed it yeah I really enjoyed it mentioning Deontay Wilder there um, when it comes to the future of him we talked about um, you mentioned there about him sort of not being able to find the punch and um, do you feel like all this sort of um he met always having that get out of jail card of that right hand and we know the damage he took in the Fury fights um, inactivity do you think this all would play a factor of, of why we may have seen him so poor yeah because at some point at some point you you just get older you just get older and, and in any athletic sport particularly an explosive one like boxing that kind of explosive elasticity that he's always had it can't last forever. People talk about power being the last thing that a fighter will lose, and I do agree with that. But he's got the ability to throw punches from almost any angle, and that does rely on, you know, a, a certain level of athleticism, a, a freakish level of athleticism that, that calls upon other things. So that's not going to last forever. And also you do get to the point where, you know, there's that great scene in Rocky Three where... Mickey, the trainer, is explaining to Rocky why he shouldn't fight Clubber Lang. And the reason is, you know, you're a billboard now, you're endorsing things, you're selling things, you've been too comfortable for too long. You know, three years ago you were hard and nasty, and now you're not. And that's where he is. He is. He's a wrecking machine. You know, you've got civilised rock. That's what he says to him. And that's, that happens. And, and you fight it as much as you possibly can, from what I'm told, but at some point that happens to almost everyone. And there's not really all that much you can do about it. And, and if that is what's happened, then you need to recognise it and get out because as soon as winning is not the most important thing in your life and as soon as you're maybe not prepared to do whatever it takes to get that win, then it's time to go because you'll be in with someone who is. Um, but he's going he's, he's gonna to rage against the dying of that light, I think, Wilder. He's not, he's, from what I've heard him say, he's definitely not willing to, to accept that yet. Is there also a case that people could make that maybe Wilder was never as good as we thought he would be? One thing that people have always said to him about Wilder is, you know, he can't box. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of questions about his resume with his best win being Luis Ortiz, a fight that he was sort of seven or eight rounds down in before prior to the stoppage. So do you think there's a, there's a point that maybe 
Parker would have probably been his best fight, his hardest fight um, since Fury. He's had those hard fights. He hasn't beaten Fury. Um, you know, he hasn't beaten someone like Parker. Maybe he won as good as people thought he would have been. I, I understand the argument, but, but I don't agree with it because people criticising his boxing skills, that's fine, you know, and, and, you, and, and you know, you can do that because he is extremely unorthodox and a lot of what he does you, you couldn't or even wouldn't teach. But that power is unbelievable. I mean, you can make an argument that he's one of the greatest punches of all time, not just because of the stats, but because of he can knock you out from any angle at any time. But that ability is not going to stay with you forever, not the way that he does it. Somebody who throws technically correct punches, that power, it will endure maybe longer because the mechanism that you've got to deliver the punch is, is more solid, you know, and it's more, it's more reliable. It can, it can last a bit longer, basically. Whereas with Wilder, you know, it's lasted a pretty long time, but at some point I feel like it's, the wheels are going to come off that. But, but that power is absolutely extraordinary, and that is what boxing is about. You know, it's, it's, it is. You know, if you can finish the fight inside the distance by knocking somebody out, you can be 10 rounds down and then knock somebody out, and that is a comprehensive win. The other person hasn't nearly won because you've knocked them out. Um, so I, I'm a fan. I've always have been. I think, he's, I think he's been great for the sport, and if he's got a few more in him yet, and, and he hasn't lost that ability to detonate, that would be great. But. Do you think that's what will keep him going, though, the fact that... <clears throat> He is this big of a puncher that the heavyweight division has ne you know, never seen someone with such preposterous power. That will that will keep him going from potential retirement is because he can hit so hard. And he's always got that one hit acquittal. Yeah, definitely because he'll still feel he can do it, and it, it and it'll take a lot to convince him that he can't. Because you see, in, in, in plenty of sports, you know, you look at a, you know, somebody as they get older, they're, they're in football, say for example, their legs go a little bit, uh, and maybe they kind of like. It, it happens a lot quicker in a sport like football where you play every week, but you might kind of like miss a tackle one week and think, ah, well, you know, he was uh, got obstructed by this guy or this happened. But then it happens again and you, you make up another reason why it's happened. And then it happens again and you start to think to yourself, it could be me. That's what's going to have to happen. And if you look at boxing history, big name fighters, great fighters, very few will go off out off the back of a single defeat because they just can't they just can't do it they just can't do it and it'll take a while for the message to hit home that actually you know what you just don't have it anymore it's a really difficult thing to accept so if you look at records often you'll see a fighter will lose one maybe they'll lose another one then they'll drop down the level and get a win and then they'll go back up in the level and they'll lose again and then at that point they'll think actually yeah it's me absolutely definitely and moving on from sticking on the topic of Saudi uh talk about Anthony Joshua's performance against Otto Wallin um, obviously his best performance since I mean people argue definitely definitely since post Usyk um, people sort of, sort of saying since about the the, uh, the Kubat Pulev fight this obviously came with a change in trainer with Ben Davison this is his best performance we've seen under, uh, under AJ with a new trainer with Ben Davison would you like to see him stick with Ben Davison in the future and, and not go back to Texas with Derek James yeah, I think he should stay because why, why, why wouldn't you? Uh, off the back of that performance, it's no, it's no reflection on Derek James. He's a he's a top top trainer, and you know the two fights they had went the distance, and then they supplied the knockout against Elenius. And it's it's kind of funny sometimes how people interpret certain performances because Joshua, Joshua's not Wilder. He's not that guy who just you know can knock you out from anywhere. He needs to set it up. Um, 
and he set it up and he knocked Lenius out, but it wasn't good enough. People still weren't happy with it. Uh, so I think he was making progress, but he made more progress with, with Ben Davison. So I don't, I don't, I think it'd be mad to, to stray away from that now because it was, he was just authoritative. That was what I really liked. He stepped into the middle of the ring and he, and he put it on while in in a in an educated way, the way that he's always done previously. People people have kind of reinvented him a bit. You know, they talk about how he used to be this this wrecking machine, and to an extent he was, but. He would never just jump on people and just start swinging. He, he would set it up. He would, he would work for the opening, and then when he got it, he would finish you. And that's what he was about to do to Otto Wallin, and it was a good stoppage by Joey Gamache because he knew what was coming next, and he didn't care that it was only five rounds in. He didn't care if it kind of upset Otto. I, I don't think it did, actually, but he, he wasn't bothered about any of that. He was going to make the call, and it was the right thing to do. And now there's been enough time now. It's right to talk about what could be next for Anthony Joshua. Um, Hergovic for the vacant IBF is one that was talked about. We know that the IBF could become vacant after Undisputed. Um, another name that they're talking about was um, Francis Ngannou. That was talked about for March the 9th. Um, do, you feel we, do you feel like we could see the Ngannou fight for March the 9th whilst they wait to see the, uh, the um, IBF situation play out with Hergovic? Yeah, I, I feel like... <laughs> Boxing's kind of... You never really know what's possible and what's not possible. But with Fury Nusik fighting on the 17th, I think we all know that there's a rematch clause and that therefore there's going to be a rematch and that the IBF wouldn't want their belt in a rematch. But it could be a draw or somebody could get a head clash early on and it could be a no contest, a technical draw, you know. So I don't see how they could guarantee that three weeks later that IBF vacant belt would, would be available. I mean, that seems like a bit of a stretch to me. So, if, but, but maybe they can. I don't know. If they can't, then Ngannou's going to get another fight, isn't he? Uh, and against someone big, because he's not going to be interested if it's not against someone big. And I'd be pretty tempted by that if I was Joshua, because as impressed as I was with Francis Ngannou, he was much, much better than I thought he would be. I think everybody has been forewarned now by what happened against Fury. And therefore, I don't see him being a problem for any of the top fighters uh, because they've seen him now. No one had ever seen him box before. He boxed Fury. Um, so Fury kind of, in a way, he took one for the boxing team there because it was a pretty painful night for him, to be honest with you. It wasn't, it's not one he's going to look back on with any great fondness, but I don't... Joshua won't go in there being obsessed with knocking him out. He'll just go in there knowing that he needs to win. Um, which is all you ever really need to do. And I think he will beat him quite comfortably. I was just about to say that, like when it comes to comparing the Fury performance against Ngannou to then if Joshua fights him, do you feel like sort of Joshua may be a little bit of a better style matchup for someone like Ngannou where um, obviously he's going to take him seriously, but also when it comes to his combination punching and sort of trying to overwhelm Ngannou, do you feel like it's probably... A li a I know no one, no one really thinks Ngannou... No one thought Ngannou was that good, but it probably matched up better for Joshua than it does for Tyson Fury. Yeah, I think the key thing is, is that Joshua's seen him now and he, he'll know what he's getting and he'll know that he's in with a competent boxer, you know, who's set up well, who can take a punch, who's got decent enough head movement, who can deliver a punch, who's obviously got heavy hands. And, and, he, and he just knows all of those things. But there isn't any kind of mystery with Ngannou. He's just got much better fundamentals than people thought. And I think if Fury had known that when he went in there, and, and you can tell yourself that someone's going to be a challenge as much as you want but if you don't actually really believe it then 
then you can end up turning in the kind of performance that he that he did, uh, and that's just not possible for Joshua because because he's seen those ten rounds. So I think that's the main reason why, really. Um, like I say, you know, it, it was it was. It was a great performance from Ngannou and I do not begrudge him another big fight or another couple of big fights off the back of what he did, but I don't think personally that any of the top 10 now that they've seen him will have particular problems with him. Absolutely. And just moving on, a last one from me. Um, yourself will be in Quebec next week for Callum Smith taking on Arta Baturbiev. Um, you know, what do, what, 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 do we, what do you think about that fight? A lot of people said that Baturbiev is showing signs of, of mileage. Someone like Smith, who's moved up to light heavyweight, got some really, really nice knockouts um, since then. Um, excited for this fight in Canada next week? Yeah, I am. I really am. I really am. I was talking to some American colleagues um, in Saudi, actually, at the end of October, and they weren't having any of it. They were, they were convinced, you know, that, that Baturbiev is far too good for Callum Smith. He's not really shown anything at light heavyweight. And as always, you can look at things from both sides. You know, he had that knockout against Lenny Castillo, then the stoppage against Baudelik, and they look at what Baturbiev's done, and they just don't fancy Callum Smith one bit. Um, and we know him a lot better, so obviously we're going to be not biased, but... You know, we feel like we're more informed on his chances than, than they would be. And I do definitely give him a chance. Because at some point, as we discussed with Wilder, age does catch up with you. And I thought Anthony Yard pushed him really, really, really close. I was at that fight, and after five rounds, Baturbiya was in trouble. And the corner knew it. They needed a reaction from him, and they got one, because he's a great champion. Um, but that might have taken something out of him. Cam Smith's going to need to be at his absolute best. But I do think he's got a chance in that fight. I absolutely do. I wouldn't make him favourite because you can't against an undefeated, unified champion who's won every single fight by stoppage. But I do give him a chance in that fight. And do you feel like we could see Undisputed after that? Um, Bivol, apparently, uh, according to reports, has agreed his terms for an Undisputed fight. Um, so would that be in, uh, Bivol waiting in the wings for, for the winner? That would even be more exciting as well. Yeah, and I do think we will because one thing we heard in, in Saudi Arabia is that that's, that's a fight they want to do and they do want to make fights outside of the heavyweight division. I think people were a bit concerned that maybe it wouldn't, it'd be quite short-lived, um, the big fights heading over there because they were only interested in heavyweights, but as I understand it, that's not the case. Any really big fight that seems unmakeable, they want to make it and that fight... You know, those two have had all the belts for quite a while now and it's never happened uh, and whoever wins in, in a week or so's time it'll still be the same scenario so yeah I do think we'll see that Absolutely and I just want to say thank you for taking time to speak to me good to, good to kick off 2024 with your insight and uh, reflection and looking forward to hopefully a big big year ahead mate appreciate the time thank you mate cheers Sports Social Podcast Network